so thankful to be part of a church that lets Jesus be Lord and let his presence come and do what only his presence can do. God bless you guys. You can be seated as we get started here this morning. I believe God is just getting started with what he wants to do today. Very excited to be here. So thankful that I have the opportunity to share on, on week six of Reply All. Week six of Reply All, and the topic this week was ranked number four. Number four out of all of the topics with over 396 votes. So almost 400 of you said, I need help with this topic. And the topic today, you may see it in your worship guide, is how to get out of a spiritual rut. How to get out of a spiritual rut. Before we get into the message too far, I just want to share a quick announcement. And it's a pretty important announcement, and I'm very excited to share that Pastor Jeremy Yancey will be back next week live to preach his sermon to all of you. He wanted to make sure all of you knew that he's coming back. He's coming back. And let me just warn everyone, we've got Pastor Jeremy, preacher, man extraordinaire, who has not been able to preach for six weeks. So watch out. Next week, all guns blazing. Pastor Jeremy's going to be here. Uh, you won't want to miss it. Uh, but this week is about how to get out of a spiritual rut. And this sermon today is a very important sermon. In fact, I think and I believe that if you haven't ever been in a spiritual rut, uh, you still need to take very good note notes today because you're probably going to go into one soon. Amen? All of the Christians who have been saved for a while say, Amen. So I remember when I was in a very, very deep spiritual rut. It was one of several, if I'm being honest with you, that I've been in. And some of you guys who have sat under the ministry with me or heard me teach before or preach, you know some of my story. But this was one specific, very deep, dark spiritual rut. And it happened around 2010. And it was probably about two years uh, of being in this spiritual rut. What's, I'll tell you what's worse than being a Christian and being a spiritual rut is being a pastor. <laughs> And being in a spiritual rut. It's miserable. Our spiritual rut's not miserable. See, I have a suspicion that the reason that this came in number four is because of how common they are. How common they are. But also how hard they are to get rid of, aren't they? It's just how hard they are. Well, I was in the middle of a very dark time. And I could tell sometimes I'd start coming out of the rut and then uh, those old negative thoughts would put me right back in it. Anyone understand what I'm talking about this morning? And God has a sense of humor, I guess, or has a certain way of dealing with me at least. Uh, and he, around the same time that I'm in this deep, dark pit, he brings this little, actually very tall, six-foot gray of sunshine, Taylor, into our lives, into Pastor Alvin and I's lives. She's our spiritual daughter in the Lord. And she got saved. And I'm telling you, like, she's one of those people who got, like, saved. And everything about her reminded me of what I used to have with the Lord. Have you ever had that happen? When you're in a spiritual rut and God has the audacity to plant some beam of sunshine in your life. I mean, she would come to me day in and day out. And I'm like her, Pastor Alvin and I were her mentors and her spiritual parents. So, so like, we had to, I had to act excited. <laughs> but she would tell me about all the things Jesus was speaking to her about. I'd hear her in her room, and then she'd have the worship music playing. And if you've ever heard Taylor speak, let alone sing, you could hear her voice throughout the entire house. 
And it's a joyful noise unto the Lord, I can assure you of that. And I could hear her going after God and, and enjoying his presence. And she'd come to me with her Bible, and it was all marked up with highlights and stuff that every day God was speaking to her. And every day she shared with me the wonders that God was doing. It was a reminder of where I was not. And I still remember the day I looked at her, and I could fake it no more. And I said, it's hard for me to listen, as happy as I am, because I have forgotten how to enjoy the presence of God. And I think all of us who have been saved for a while can identify with what I was saying that day. Spiritual ruts are just awful. They're awful because you can remember how great God was in the old days. You remember everything. And yet, you feel nothing at the time. Any of you identify with what we're talking about this morning? I know at least 396 of you do. But it's that dry place where it feels like God has forgotten you forever. And today, I'm not going to preach to you um, a message that I learned out of Bible college, although I did go and it helped me tremendously. I'm going to preach a message to you guys today, hopefully teach you some tools that will help you escape out of your spiritual rut faster than I did. Did you hear me? So I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some keys to unlock the chains to help you get out of the rut faster, but it's up to you to take them, amen, and do something with it. Are you ready this morning? We want to talk about several things. First of all, what in the world is a spiritual rut? And some of you guests who are here still kicking the tires on Christianity are saying, do what? What is she talking about? You mean you don't always feel like serving God? And what is the answer? No, you don't always feel like serving God. So what is a spiritual rut? But also, how do they form? How do you get into one? We're going to look at that this morning, and then we're going to answer the big question. We're going, to, we're going to attack it, is how to get out of a spiritual rut. Are you ready? You got your pens ready? Dim the lights. Here we go. No, I'm kidding. So what is a spiritual rut? By definition, the word rut means a habit or pattern of behavior, listen, that has caused what was once exciting and fulfilling to become dull and unproductive. Did you hear that? Like that's a secular definition. That's not out of the Bible. But a rut is formed by a, a, a habit, probably a negative habit, right? Or a pattern of behaviors that maybe started out just occasional, but now it's this habit of thinking or a habit of behavior that has done some damage to your love for God, your passion for Jesus. And so, if you were to type into the computer, symptoms on spiritual WebMD for spiritual ruts, can I give you a word of advice that has nothing to do with my sermon? Don't search WebMD over your, your ailments. You will think you're dying of three forms of cancer within 10 seconds. It's just horrible. And you're going to have to come get counseling from all of us to help you overcome your anxiety of the fact that you're about to die, okay? But if you were to type the symptoms and look up spiritual rut and a spiritual WebMD, these would be some of the symptoms that patients would describe. Many people who are stuck in a spiritual rut say that they feel like they've hit a ceiling. 
Oh, yes. They feel like they're very far from God. They say things like, I used to enjoy going to church, but now I don't. People who are stuck in a spiritual rut are no longer interested in what they used to enjoy about the Lord. In fact, many people who are in a spiritual rut, this one's kind of scary, is they begin to lose their desire to live for God. Guess where that results in? What that results in? Eventually not living for God. Oh, come on. Don't stare at me like you don't know what I'm talking about here, folks. Spiritual ruts can be our passion zappers. It's like they suck the life out of your spirit. They suck the strength and the faith that you once had out. You know what they do? They wear your faith down. They exhaust you, don't they? Spiritual ruts are very common. But the other definition says that they're also hard to change. Did you know that? Did you know a rut in and of itself is very hard to fix or to change? In fact, the visual picture of a rut is that of a dirt road with an old-fashioned wagon going down the dirt road repeatedly over time to where rivets begin to form in the ground. And the picture, it says in the dictionary, is that it's literally this wooden wagon wheel stuck. Everyone say stuck. Stuck in this rivet in this hole, in this rut that has been formed by a consistent pattern, by consistent behavior, forming a hole that causes the wheel to get stuck. And there are several things, several habits and behaviors and ways of thinking, so be careful, that cause spiritual ruts to form in our own lives. Are you ready? Let's look at these guys. Let's look at these common culprits that cause spiritual ruts. And they're nasty, and they're sneaky, and all of you have had them. So no one's throwing stones in here today, but I hope that at least you can identify what might have been causing your spiritual rut. So here are a few of them I'm going to throw at you this morning. Because none of us wakes up one day and says, I think I feel like going and getting in a spiritual rut. Remember, everyone listen, this is so important. These, these culprits are so subtle. Did you hear me? Come on, this is important. They're so gradual and they're so slow that you don't even realize it's happening. But over time... All of a sudden, you're further and further and further away from where you wanted to be with God. Is this sermon for anyone else out there? Is it just for me? Spiritual ruts happen gradually. So listen, I want you to let the Lord speak to you today. I want you to let him show you where maybe some of this is happening. Because you want to know my greatest hope for you is that those of you who are in a spiritual rut are about to get out. But also those of you guys who are about to go into a spiritual rut can avoid it. Amen? Let's look at these guys, these common culprits that throw us into a spiritual rut. Number one, discouragement and disappointments. Oh, come on. Discouragement and disappointments. Now, this is like a prolonged season of discouragement and disappointment. Disappointment in, in, in your best friend for not being there discouragement with your, with your spouse, 
prolonged seasons of nothing changing after they said they would change. This causes deep disappointment. And what makes matters worse is that you're serving God while the disappointment's happening. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, Christians, come on. We serve the one true God. We serve like Jehovah Jireh, the provider, and, and, the, and Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. We, sh- we serve Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And we have, like, access to this guy. And we, we can ask him for whatever we want, right? And he answers prayer. So something that happens when you're in a prolonged habit of negative thinking and discouragement and disappointment, and then you go, like, talk to God about the problem, and he's not fixing it like you want or as fast as you had hoped, we begin to get into a deeper spiritual rut. Don't we? Don't we? Because now, now we don't even want to talk to the guy. Now we don't even want to talk to God because he's let us down. Discouragement and disappointment will throw you into a spiritual rut. Number two, the second common culprit of spiritual ruts is distractions from the daily grind. Oh, come on, this one's big. This one's super common. In a day and age that we're learning and and living and moving at warp speed, distractions from the daily grind will overflow your calendar, zap your strength, and grind your faith down faster than anything. You know, I remember when we were little kids, I I remember hearing mom and dad, and they would talk about just how fast we were all growing up. And I can remember my brothers and I going, I don't know what they're talking about. It didn't feel fast. It felt super slow to me. Like, am I ever going to turn 16 and get a car? Am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to? I have a 12-year-old daughter who said to me the other day, Mommy, life is going by so fast. Can we just, can we just slow down? 12-year-old. Did you hear me? 12-year-olds are feeling the impact of the distractions from the daily grind. The danger of this culprit is if you're not careful, it can prohibit you from gaining traction in your spiritual walk. Now listen, many we had over 600 people moving in Next Steps Ministries last semester. Did you know that? Over 600 of you were in Starting Point, Grow Track, Encounter, Groups, Serving on Dream Teams. Yes, you can clap for that. That's amazing. Do you know how many pastors would love to stand up and say, I had 600 people growing in discipleship and serve. That, that's, that's amazing. Good job. Good job, all of you. But what can happen is, is we very quickly forget to apply and live out what we've just learned. We get so busy that even though we're very inspired in service, even though we're super moved in grow track, we get back to life as usual and get too busy to stay close to God. Number three, the third culprit of a spiritual rut is doubt and unbelief. Now, this one's tricky because this guy will cause you to constantly doubt what God has been asking you to do. Did you hear me? Did you hear what I just said? Doubt and unbelief. So what does this look like? Have you ever had one of those Sundays where like you just knew that God was speaking to you? You could feel your heart just beating so hard the whole entire time and you almost feel like the pastor wrote it for you. (laughs) 
here, and you're almost embarrassed, like you don't want to look at him when he's preaching because you're like, how does he know that that's what I'm dealing with, right? Those kind of moments, that kind of moment with God, and then something happens when you leave the atmosphere of faith and you go home to a not-so-great atmosphere of faith, right? And you begin to doubt what God has done in your life and what he told you or asked you to do. Doubt and unbelief, the fourth common culprit of spiritual ruts, and this one will create a a spiritual rut faster than any of the ones so far, and that is willful disobedience. Willful. Everyone say willful. What does the word willful mean? Guess what? Full of will. (laughs) That's a hard one. Full of your will. Another word you could put in that blank is deliberate disobedience. Deliberate. It's like my son when I told him seven times to go brush his teeth and get ready for bed last night, and he chose not to do it. Willful disobedience. I looked at him, I said, Carter, delayed disobedience is still disobedience. And he looks at me with his five-year-old blank stare like he has no idea what I'm talking about. But disobedience is saying no, listen, this is serious right here, because it's saying no to God. You say, well, Pastor Talia, that's not what I'm really doing. That's not, yes, it is. Disobeying God is saying, God, I know more than you. That's saying, I'm God, you're not. There's only one Lord. Only one person can sit on the throne of your life that way. And many of us shove God off and sit on it ourselves, and then we wonder five years later why things are such a mess. Or even get mad at God. Oh, that's my Then we get mad at God for the mess we made. When he was warning you all along to stay away from that person. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about with the friendships that your kids are forming. These, this willful disobedience can cause a deep, dark, slippery rut that's very hard to get out of. But number five, this one's tricky because this one has nothing to do with what you've done or not done. Number five, the fifth culprit of what can cause a spiritual rut, and I'm also going to tag it now with the terminology, a dry season. Have you ever heard that? I'm going through a dry season in my walk with God. I just feel dry. You want to know something that can cause that? God. (laughs) God's delays. Quote, unquote, delays. Because they're not really delays. He's just not moving and doing what you want when you want it. It's the age-old problem of of, of wanting the right thing, but it's the wrong time. You know what I'm talking about? It's when you want God to do something right now, and he's saying, wait. Can I just say that's one of the most frustrating seasons of my Christian life so far? It's when I knew what God wanted to do, but I had to wait upon him. Imagine that. Have to wait on, like, his leadership. But I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but listen, I've seen many people drop out of church, go into a spiritual rut, 
because they felt called to do ministry or teach or preach or whatever, and the opportunities weren't coming up as fast as what they wanted. And so instead of it firing something inside of them to go after God in their own time with God, they began to get frustrated with the timing of God. And then they began to get disenchanted with serving God. And then six months later, we don't even see them. And then Bonnie Rome goes after them with Next Steps Ministry. <laughs> These habits and behaviors, all, all five of them, can negatively affect and impact your walk with God, can't they? But this morning, I want to give you some tools and tips that will help you get out of this rut. Now, you know who these little boogers are now, so listen, watch out for them. But that doesn't help you now that you're in the pit, now that you're in the rut. How, let's answer the big question this morning. How do you get out of a spiritual rut? And the first one is going to sound so simple that I'm afraid to say it because you're going to just like glaze over it. But it's to ask God to help you break out of your spiritual rut. Can I share a scripture with you? It's not in your notes, but I want to share this with you. It's Isaiah 59.1. Come on, this is a good one. It says, his arm is not too short to save. Did you? His ear is not too dull to hear. And I want you just to picture right now the pit you feel like you're stuck in. And what God wants you to do first and foremost is just to simply take a step of faith and ask him to reach down and begin to help pull you out of that rut. There's something powerful. If, if you were my kids right now and I sat you down, one of the things I would teach my kids I want to teach you right now is don't ever underestimate the power of asking God. Because when you ask God to be God, and you invite him into the middle of your problem. He comes in as if he is God. And he begins to change your problem in a way you could not have done. And if you fail to take the, the step of faith and ask, you're really trying to figure this thing out still on your own. And my fear is that I don't want my kids and I don't want you to mistake talking about the problem as asking God for the help. I want to see God's people praying about the problem, beckoning God night and day to come save that stubborn teenager that's not serving him. I'm talking about asking God. Do you know how to beckon the throne room of God? Do you know how to talk to God? When's the last time you went to God pleading with him to change your situation? Ask God. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And guess what, folks? He said the door will be answered. It will be open to you. Number two, after you've asked God and invited him in to do his part, now it's time for you to do yours. So you've got to put forth the effort on your end to get out of the rut. Well, Pastor Talley, I just don't know if I like that one. Well, I don't either. You know, I think the reason we like fairy tales like Cinderella is because of the, the, the chubby little fairy godmother. I don't know about you, but when I'm over the fountain crying and, and, and a dress torn to shreds, I'd love for a fat little woman with a wand to show up too. How many of you would love to have God turn some pumpkins into a carriage? How many of you would love to have God take some mice and turn them into some fine stallions? 
<laughs> How many of you want God to send you a prince? Don't answer that. Just kidding. But I'm saying we love the stories because we want, we, and we so think God's going to operate like that. We just think God, because he can, he will. But God's way more. I could, I could go buy my kids lots of things right now, and so could you. But that's not what's best for them. I could rescue my kids out of some drama and issues they get into. I'm not going to. Because they need to learn from their mistakes. And God, listen, Timber Creek, God's trying to mold you and shape you and teach you. Because he sees what you have yet to become. And you're so stuck right here. And God's saying, let, like, let me teach you some things through this thing called, oh, it's kind of a dirty word, a process. Oh, I heard groans. Because processes take time. Processes are like crockpots. Processes, if you want the goods, you've got to go through the process. Can I give you a couple of tips that you could put into action on your end right away. When people are stuck in a rut, one of the most important things you can do right away is do something to change and disrupt your routine. Well, Pastor Ty, I spend time with God every day, but I'm getting nothing out of it. Well, guess what? He's probably bored too. Oh, my word. How many Christians have I talked to that when they get into their time with God, they begin to speak in King James? And they began to try to, like, put up this facade as though they're perfect. And God, I would love to see the facial expressions of the Lord when some of us pray. Would you not love to? Because you know what? He made you. He knows you better than you know yourself, the God, word of God says. And so, like, you're coming to him all fake. And you're coming to him all plastic. And you're coming to him with this script and in this language that you don't speak. And you wonder why you're not connecting with God. How about you peel off the cellophane? How about you tear off some plastic? How about you go to God like he's your father, like he's a good father? And how about you be real and open and honest with him about how you really feel? I dare you. I dare you to go to God as you are. I dare you to go to God this week surrendered. I dare you to change your routine and do something different. You know, when Pastor Alvin and I's marriage gets stale, we've been married almost 20 years. Can you believe it? Almost 20 years now. What in the world? <laughs> All of us know in relationships in general, they can get stagnant. The precious can become common. And Jesus is no different. Your time with God is no different. You've got to shake things up, folks, in your routine. And for some of you, your spiritual routine doesn't even exist. So that's okay. So you're going to change up your routine by, like, starting to spend time with God. And if you don't know how to do that, you need to get in starting point. And you need to get into Grow Track 1 right away when it starts. But change your routine. Look at this quote by Mark Batterson. This is so good. He said, change of pace plus change of space equals change of perspective. Isn't that good? What pace? How can you change your pace this week? How can you change your space? Because when you do that, it will change your perspective. Can I give you one more piece of advice you can do right away and put in your own effort? Do what you know to do. 
Do what you already know to do. See, because when we're in a spiritual rut, we tend to panic and do nothing but stay still. And complain, but we're standing still. There's no movement. We're stuck, right? And you're waiting for God to do some big thing. What's the last thing God already spoke to you about? And what did you do with it? How did you steward the last direction of the Lord in your life? Do what you know to do when you're already in a spiritual rut. And connect with God. Do something different with your routine. The third way we get out of a spiritual rut is to remember all he has done. Oh, come on. This is a good one. Because if I, I've got to be honest and transparent. When I was in that deep, dark pit, I was struggling horribly with panic attacks. Some of you guys have heard me talk about that in depression to the point where if I'm being really honest, I didn't know how much longer I wanted to live if it meant to be a prisoner in my own mind. Beautiful home, beautiful family, but a tormented, tormented, depressed mind. And there was something about reading the Bible that just wasn't doing it for me. I tried, but like I couldn't, I was so bad that like I couldn't even receive from the word anymore. And that I, like I tried to pray, but like it, I just, nothing was permeating like the, the deep darkness that I was like struggling with. And there was one day where I, I just, I, I just sensed, I very, very slightly sensed like the Lord was saying to me, just remember me. Remember all I have done. See, when King David was about to go under and be completely attacked by his enemies, the Bible says that he learned to encourage himself in the Lord, right? To encourage himself in the Lord. Guess what he did, Timber Creek? He recounted and recalled all of the moments God saved and rescued him. He began to think about all of the things God has done. And so maybe your situation today feels very bleak. But I dare you to stop and try to remember all that God has done. How about you get a pen and paper out today and this week. And you begin to make a list of all of the moments he showed up when you cried out to him. How about you make a list of all the moments he provided for you when you were about to go under. How about you think about the moments that he showed you his love when you felt like you didn't deserve it. Remember, remember all he has done. Remember all he has done. And number five, develop a pathway to his presence. Develop a pathway to his presence. When I was a kid, you may say, what in the world is she talking about here? Can I say this before I get into my story? This one is the most important. Like, before I die, what I want my children to have learned, what I want you to learn is how to develop a pathway that leads you straight into the presence of an almighty God. And, and Timber Creek might be a little blip on your pathway, but it can't be your pathway. When I was a kid, we ran the neighborhood. Those were the days when our parents told us to go outside and play and we were gone all day until, they, until it was dark. You remember those days, guys? And it was safe. In fact, we played in the woods. 
We played in the woods all day long, and, and, and we would go to the end of this cul-de-sac, and at the end of this cul-de-sac, way deep in the woods, at least when I was, you know, seven years old, it felt way deep in the woods, but there were these three giant holes. Guess what we called them? The holes. <laughs> there were these three giant holes, and they were ten, like 10 feet wide and about three or four feet deep. I don't know who made them, but we found them. And some of the older teenage guys in the neighborhood had found them before we did, but they let us be a part of their little club. And the older guys were cutting down the skinny, skinny pine trees. And they laid them across the great big hole. And then they took the others and they made a teepee on top of it. And we had this incredible fort that none of the adults knew about. It was our own secret place. It was a place that all of us could go and have good, clean fun. It's a place that was just for us, and no one knew about it but we, but us. But what was kind of hard was at first, is when we first found it, there was no, there was no way to get there. And I can remember trying to find our way to the holes. But over time, you know what happened? As all 10 of us began to get our BMX bikes and our, our scooters, we began to go to the end of that cul-de-sac and we would go find our way to the holes. And over time, the grass began to die. And the shrubs that were in the way began to, to be pulled and, and ripped down as we would walk by every day. And what we accidentally did was pave this pathway straight to the holes. To where going to where we loved the most was no longer hard, but easy. And so when I describe having time in the presence of God, spending time with him outside of church, for some of you, you may feel like we did when we got to the end of the curb and couldn't find a path. It's overwhelming, Pastor Talia. I don't understand how to get started. I mean, I feel him when I'm in church, but I don't even understand how to get there. Can I encourage you to just get on your BMX bike and begin to trail a pathway into the presence of God? Why is this so important? What does this have to do with a spiritual rut? It has everything to do with getting out of a spiritual rut. Because one moment with him, one moment with the king changes everything. One moment with him in his presence is where you are created to be. Psalm 1611 says this, you will show me the path of life and in his presence, in your presence, O oh Lord, is fullness of joy. Did you hear what his word just said? Someone depressed in here. Do you want to know where fullness of joy is found? It's in his presence. And he goes on and has the audacity to say that at his right hand then when you find him, listen, are peace and pleasures forevermore. See, what you need is not that alcohol. What you need is, is not to go to that person. What you need is to learn to pave a pathway to the presence of God. In his presence, I have found peace. In his presence, you will find comfort. It's in the presence of Jesus. It's why they called him Emmanuel, God with us. What good is it to have access to him if you don't enjoy its benefits? Did you hear me? There are benefits 
It's worth the work. It's worth the discipline. It's worth it. I'm teaching my 12-year-old right now. Spend time with God, Victoria. Go after God, Victoria. Because I know one day she's going to leave. And she's, I'm not okay with that if I don't know she doesn't know how to tap in to my God, to her God. Because I'm not always going to be there to hug her and give her peace. But I know a friend that sticks closer than a brother who will never leave her, who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. And as great as this church is, we cannot pay a pathway to God's presence for you. You've got to do the discipline yourself. And it's in His presence that you gain understanding. It's in His presence you gain wisdom. It's in His presence you have strength to overcome that sin. It's in His presence. It's in His presence. We are rescued and we are released from the deepest of spiritual ruts as we consistently visit and hang out in his presence. So what we want to do here this morning is we want to have faith with action. And what we're going to do without anyone moving around, we're not going to we don't do things weird here at Timber Creek, but we want to give you the opportunity at your seat to respond to God this morning. And I challenge you in this. Can I just challenge you with one thing? Can you forget about the people around you for just a moment? Do you realize the Lord is here? He's here. You can feel him speaking to you. Can you lean in just a little bit more to him this morning? Can you, can you open your heart a little bit more? Can you, can you give him a little more access to your spirit today? As we sing this song that Pastor Cody so beautifully led earlier, I'm going to ask you to take a next step. And if you're in here and you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life, I, I plead with you to take a next step right there at your seat to ask him to come into your heart, to wash away your sins to make you brand new. For those of you who are broken and damaged, I pray you take a next, next step and let him heal you this morning. Maybe you need to make, take a next step of surrender. Or maybe you're like me and you need to take a next step of faith and simply wait upon the Lord today. Can we do that this morning as a church? You've, you're doing such a great job receiving from the Lord today. Can, I don't want you to walk out with God's work not finished. So as we worship, let's open our hearts and let God speak to us today.